What's the biggest mistake you see people make when it comes to this stuff? I would say like going for the home run in so many different contexts versus like going for base hits and to make that more specific, like looking for the silver bullet when it comes to lead generation, that one source that's going to change everything for you versus getting a source where you can generate leads consistently that you understand where they're coming from and what messaging they need to hear and then create the messaging that they need to hear to get them to, you know, and, and line up all these like base hits along the way, instead of thinking that there's going to be a lead source that solves all your business problem, where you're just going to pick up the phone, talk to them on the phone. They're going to say, yeah, I want to apply for a mortgage right now. I have a 700 FICO and I make, you know, $200,000 a year. And I'd love a house over like, and I've never met you before, but Hey, this is crazy. And here's all my documents. I'd be like, exactly. Oh. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Scott Peckford, welcome to the I Love Mortgage Brokering podcast. Today, I'm going to show you Michael McAllister. Michael is a president of Empowered LO. He's from Idaho, and he was a loan officer, and he had a knack for generating online business and started a company called Empower LO and you can check them out. But I wanted to make sure that this was super useful for you. So when I had my conversations with Michael, I'm like, dude, you gotta give me the good stuff. You can't just you know, talk about what you do. So we dive into three different campaigns that you could use in your mortgage business. And these strategies, even if you're a referral-based business, or not. These are very useful. He gets into some of the nitty gritty in terms of the details of percentages and what works. And the three campaigns are instant lead follow-up. So when somebody reaches out, what you do there. He has a second one where we talk about reaching out to realtors to book meetings. That's another campaign. And then finally, we talk about working your agents to so your real estate agents, you know, old lists, so reactivating old leads. We get into the weeds of this a little bit. And so you can check out Michael and his company, MyPartLO.com. Before we jump into this, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian mortgage brokers. It's very easy to use for borrowers and for users. And it's got some cool features. First is Smart Docs. As the client's filling out the app, it's figuring out what documents you need, which is awesome. Second, when the application comes in, you can go search all the rates and guidelines through Lender Spotlight. It is the most robust tool on the market. And then finally, when you go to hit submit, it also pulls key data from the application, puts them in the submission notes so that your underwriter can know exactly what's going on with the file. Check them out at lendescom slash Finmo. Also in this episode, I talked to Tom Hall about investing in your business. Tom from Blue Mortgage. Check out my conversation with Michael and Tom. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. So, hey, uh, before we jump into some automated strategies you have for following up, which I'm excited about, I'd love to just get to know you a little bit. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your mortgage background, and then how you got into what you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. So I live out in Boise, Idaho. I haven't always been out here. Spent some time down in San Diego. That's how I got into the mortgage industry was when I was selling cars down in San Diego, sold the car to the right guy that recruited me into the mortgage industry. While I was in the car business, I worked with internet leads a lot. And so I was naturally kind of drawn to that environment. But at the banks, it wasn't internet leads this time. It was like, what, 2015, 2016. So it was like refi lists, like, you know, their book of business, basically, you're calling on their book of business. But once that started to dry up, I needed a different way. So I bounced out of the bank environment and started getting into trying to generate my own leads, basically worked out. Long story short, that worked out. And that was four years ago that I ended up starting Empower LO and been managing Google ads for LOs and marketing automation for LOs ever since. 
Right. And so if people are listening to this, so there's many ways, obviously, to get business, referral-based business. There's Facebook ads. There's And so your specialty in particular is Google ads. And you use a lot of automation in terms of, it's not like it's like, hey, here's the phone number, call them. It's like there's a whole strategy to actually warming them up to get them on the phone so that you're not wasting time, you know, dialing numbers. So why don't you share with me, and I think you're going to do three different campaigns that you have found to be effective. We'll jump into the details of those so that whether you're doing automated follow-ups or not, a lot of this stuff is still going to apply. You can actually apply this to a referral-based business. You can apply it to an ad-based business, but just how to basically include some automation. So tell me about the first campaign. What is it? And then we'll jump into all the details. Yeah. So the first and like most obvious campaign, the campaign that we started with, with all of our clients, you know, four years ago in my business before that is just a basic like lead response campaign. So internet leads convert at like a 3% rate for a decent source for like a good, really good source and more likely one to 2%, right? So if internet leads convert at that rate, then there has to be a way for us to make sure that as LOs, we're not talking to a hundred to get to those two. So the first and most obvious one is going to be to filter out those that either will A, never engage with you or B, in the case of our clients, like we have different lead questions, like different lead form questions that we ask that we can then use to separate marketing automations based on their responses to those. So specifically, we have multiple clients that generate a high enough volume of leads that they've seen leads of you know this credit score and below. In fact, our data shows if they self-report 580 or below, less than 1% of all the closings we've tracked for all of our clients came from that self-reported 580. That bucket, yeah, yeah. So if they say that, then it's sort of like, okay, and they go off like down a funnel or they go off to a you know conveyor belt to somewhere else. Okay, exactly. so that would be one way that you guys filter them. So how are these people filling this out? Is this just in like a simple app that they fill out? Hey, I want to buy a house. Here's some info about me. How are you actually able to do those initial filters? Yeah, so we've run paid ads to a landing page, basically like a landing page that we've modeled based on what Quicken Loans does, LendingTree, Veterans United, Bankrate, et cetera. So the paid ads are, you know, when you search Google, how much house can I qualify for? If it says the word ad next to it, then that's one of your paid ads. And so we'll take loan officers and create ads for them, host them on Google. And then when somebody searches, clicks on that ad, they go to a landing page that landing page is basically a single page website that's going to offer to give them mortgage related information in exchange for their contact information. Right. Okay. And so then that's one filter that you found. So what other things are you doing to you know improve the odds that these leads are going to be useful? I think that's a good one. Any other tips? Yeah. So making sure that your initial text messages ask qualifying questions. Every text message that you send to a lead that isn't like warmed up and engaging with you should include a question at the end. And so if you structure those messages to ask a qualifying question and leave the door open constantly for them to say, you know, I'm not interested. I didn't mean to fill that out, whatever. Like, you know, at the same things, the first text message we send out is, are you looking for an idea of what you can qualify for? Or were you just looking for an idea of the basic process and requirements? And by doing that, we're basically telling them like, hey, we acknowledge that you didn't go online to talk to a loan officer and submit a loan application, but we're going to leave the door open at that point for you to say neither of those or for you to tell us if you were just looking for a basic idea of the process and requirements so that then from there, I can kind of ease into the conversation that's ultimately going to get them you know, to submit an application. Right. Okay. So first filter self-reported credit score. Is there anything else on that initial app that you guys use as a filter that you found, hey, this 
is another like a no go. What would be another example of a filter? Uh, less than 25k in income. Like down payment is fine, but less than 25k in income. If they self-report that or less than 580 credit score, it's immediately like as good as dead as far as our numbers say. Okay, so there's no point in spending a ton of energy on that. Okay, so then next thing you do is you just ask a question that's related to the form that they filled out. If it's whatever refi, if it's like depending on whatever campaign you're running. So a question is the first sort of step. And is that question sent via SMS? Is it sent via email? What modality do you find works best? Yeah, so we send SMS and email. We have some clients that still send what are called ringless voicemails, where it like slide dial basically is how most people understand that. We don't recommend it for our clients. Like, you know, personally, I think maybe it's just because I'm in the industry, but it seems really spammy and we've heard some feedback of the same. So email and text message. Number one response is always going to come from text message. However, email is longer form and allows you like, especially if the content that you're using is super informal and personal, you know, maybe you share a picture of your family or of your dog or something like that, like something that you're not going to do via text message, it can complement the effects of your text message campaign. So even though 80% of the responses come from text, I am not confident that that number would remain the same if you took Okay, away this is interesting. Okay, so I, I agree with you. SMS is actually like has a higher open rate. So you're saying, hey, thanks for the app, quick question, whatever. And then the follow-up email, you're basically humanizing. You're going from, hey, I'm not just an online app. So what would be something as an example that a loan officer has used that works? Yeah. So yeah. So same idea is that, you know, we're looking for a basic idea of the process and requirements, or are you looking for an idea of what but, you can get approved? But for? you said you how do you personalize it with like, are you saying like say, hey, I like golf, or are you saying personalize uh, just in am I tracking with you that? you're trying to like show that you're human with the email and add some human element, or are you just asking the same question with email? Yeah. So loan officers that want to provide that extra touch have the open door to do that. And that's going to take it to a whole nother level. We provide out of the box content that I'm referring to, I guess, with that initial email where I don't necessarily have to refer to a picture to seem like I'm a human. If I appeal to like understanding their motives behind going to the landing page in the first place, if I say in that initial email, Hey, look, I understand that you didn't want somebody to follow up with you. And I understand, you know, this, you can provide that same level of like informality and human touch without necessarily having to refer to like your hobbies or your family or whatever. I see. Okay. Okay. All right. So any other tips on that? So this is basically the instant lead campaign. So basically it's a lead follow-up and people listening, you have software that can automate all this stuff if they need help with that. So SMS and you're usually find uses some filters in the app to determine who even should be getting follow-ups. Next step is SMS potentially with a question. Of course, you can augment it with an email, you know, if they miss the first one, get them with the second. And then how quickly do these go out? So what kind of timeline are you looking at from, okay, I fill out this form. How quickly am I getting an SMS saying, hey, you know, with the question in it? I'm curious, what do we found works best? Yeah. So we set the software up to make sure we're not like sending out responses at stupid hours, right? If somebody fills out a form at 2 a.m., I don't care that I have consent and that I wouldn't get in trouble for following up with that lead at 2 a.m. Like I'm not going to send an automated text that makes it sound like I'm following up with you at 2 a.m. So that's the first and most obvious one. Usually that's a little bit outside of business hours, obviously, because you want to be able to get people at, you know, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., whatever. Right. So that's going to be the first part of that. But then outside of that, we want it to be instantaneous. Like if they're still looking at the picture of our loan officers on the thank you page that says, hey, 
This is the loan officer that's going to be reaching out to you. If they're still looking at that picture when they get their text message, I'm happy. Like that's exactly. Oh, so that's unless it's two in the morning, it's practically no delay. Exactly. Exactly. And then they get a ping. Okay. Then I'm sure that somehow loops back into the loan officer to, to continue the conversation or somebody who works the loan officer. All right. That makes a lot of sense. And then the whole purpose of this is just to really do some initial filtering, get them on a phone call to do a bit more thorough conversation to figure out, is this even, so if a hundred people just out of curiosity, I know that it's going to vary from market to market and whatever. And, but like if a hundred people fill out that form, Give me some breakdown of some numbers of what you typically see. And of course, this changes. Like, I'm not saying this is a forever thing. And just yeah. give me a sense of like, because you look at thousands of these, so you got more context than I do. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so the biggest thing that's going to make that vary is like, where are you getting the leads from? And then where are they getting their traffic from, really, right? So luckily with what we do, it's all people that are searching. So it's going to be the Hyatt, like Zillow, Lending Tree. You know, if you buy leads from those guys, like it's the same way that they're generating leads. So that's going to be your highest level of intent, which is going to make sure you have the highest chance. But even still, you're looking at one and a half to 3% conversion, 3% if you're doing really well, and you're not over leveraging like your time and your ability to continue with the follow-ups. Different steps in that process. We run our automated campaigns for six months or until the lead responds, whichever comes first. So we have six months worth of- Okay, okay, I have a question then. So if let's say 3%, your campaign's crushing, 100 people, how many of them approximately would just get wiped out in that first? I have no money, I have no credit. Like just give me, again, rough numbers of, I'm going to work my way back down to get to that three. So out of the hundred, how many would just be like, you know, not make it at all? Yeah. So out of a hundred, you'll have 60 people that respond to the automated follow-up. So 40 instantly, no response. I never see them. The loan officer never sees them. From that number, so 60, you have another 20 to 30, let's say, that are going to say, sorry, you've got the wrong number, or I'm not interested, screw off, I'm looking for a trailer, you know, the situation you're talking about. So what you're left with typically is about 30 to 40, like actual conversations that you're having to be able to identify. Okay, from that 30 to 40, then you have conversations, how many of those will turn into apps approximately, then because we know that we're going to get to three closing. So how many apps do you think you'd get from 30 to 40 initial conversations? In order to be successful, somebody's got to be apping between 10 and 15%. Right. I mean, we've seen lower, but like in order to be at two to 3%, like, you know, you're apping 10 closer to 15% of the deals that come in. Right. Okay. So that makes sense. All right. So that's one campaign. That's really helpful. What's the second campaign that you guys have found that works well for like doing some automation around it? Yeah. So realtor outreach, like most LOs are trying to find like the number one value offer that's going to differentiate them and have all the realtors flocking to them. When in reality, that's not how business gets done. Like it's a numbers game, right? Just like anything else, it's a numbers game. And so obviously you have to have something of value to offer. You have to go through a sales process, et cetera, but we need to be able to put in consistently people into the top of our sales funnel. Like we have to have be getting in front of new agents consistently. And so what we recommend, we automate agent outreach. So like we have coached LOs on how to build an agent list, for example, you know, here in Idaho, in my local market, they used to do, or they still do like production awards annually. When they do those production awards, they release a list of everybody in our local MLS, every agent that has their license, what their production was broken down by buy side, sell side. Once a year, they did that. So I would take that list and we would take the 300 top producers from that list and then pay a VA, take them to our public MLS site, intermountainmls.com, pay a VA 25 bucks to go in and put in the phone number and email address for all those so that then we can upload it. That's the most important piece that most people are, they're going to think, 
realtor outreach. Well, I don't have realtors to outreach. And if I did, I would be calling them. Well, that's what I'm talking about is putting in a couple hundred into your database, running an automation at 20 or 30 at a time that where all you're trying to do is get them to agree to a 10 to 15 minute phone call or a coffee meeting, depending on how far you want to go with this. So mm-hmm. that one, I mean, okay, that's an interesting idea. So you're basically using the awards as a way to like find the best possible narrowing in your focus. Do you have any other list building strategies, I guess, or is that the main one that you find works best? Well, so like I said, that's local to us. I don't know how many people's like local realtor associations have the same exact thing, but talk to, you know, I talk think to your mostly, title rep. Pretty, yeah, there's ways to like. MMI know. has really good data on that kind of stuff. I mean, there's ways to pull that stuff for sure. But they do like to share their awards. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. You know, like, yeah, you'd be lucky to talk to me. Uh, exactly. Okay. So, all right. So then what's the first communication that you do? So let's say I get this list of 300 in my market. What will be the first thing that you guys would recommend doing to communicate with it? Yeah. So like nothing tricky, like real basic and trying to keep it as human as possible. Like, Hey, this is so-and-so from such and such mortgage. Been hearing your name around a lot lately. Do you have 10 to 15 minutes for a quick chat tomorrow or the next day or, you know, or this week or whatever. Right. And then, you know, same sort of thing, you know, sending an email that asks the same thing and then sending a text message that says, Hey, I just shot you an email, but blah, 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 blah. Like just kind of trying to make that as human as possible. And it's really just light touches of like, Hey, been hearing about you a lot lately here. You do good business. We had a deal together at some point, whatever it is, if you have 10 to 15 minutes and you're just stepping it a little bit, like most of them are not going right, to be receptive right. to it, but. Right. Right. So if you send out again, let's go back to the numbers there. Are you using video in any of this or is it all text-based content? Yeah. So everything that we do, we do based on having no input from the LO. So we give them. I know how I've had businesses in the past where we had to get the LOs and the mortgage brokers to get us stuff. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, so yeah, if you got to rely on them, sometimes, unfortunately, if you guys are listening, shame on you, but you you won't even get you the freaking list. Okay. So that makes sense. So then you'd send out an SMS or a text-based email. And then what's the follow-up like rhythm for how long and how many touches a period of time that you'd recommend? Yeah. So I would say no more than, three times in the first week and twice a week for a couple of weeks after that. Cause you don't, I mean, you don't want to like have people talking about you in the wrong way, obviously. Right. So then the rhythm of that though. And when I say three different times, you might stack up two text messages in one of those days. So like a double text is super effective where you send an initial text message, you wait, you know, seven to 10 minutes long enough that they've definitely read it on their phone, but haven't committed to responding yet. And then you send a follow-up text message using, you know, a lot mm, of this times is a little bit of ninja questions. stuff. So this is the stuff that makes it go from, you know, so the double text, yes. uh, basically the double tap, like the Navy SEALs, except that was when they shot you twice in the chest, but uh, <laughs> same idea. So basically, cause what's happening is, is they're going, Oh, okay. It pops up once pops up a second time. I feel like a bit more of a compulsion to respond. Exactly. So basically wait six or seven minutes. That's cool. So you wait six or seven minutes on that. And then, so basically twice a week after that first week, three, twice a week. And then at what point do you like, go? okay, this person, there's nothing here. Yeah. So our platform has, and this is go high level for anybody that's listening and and has heard about it is basically the software that we built our platform on, but they have, and most CRMs have this too, lost one abandoned, right? as statuses in addition to the pipeline stages that you have. So like, you know, depending on our goal for the campaign and how aggressive we want to be, we might let that campaign run for three weeks. 
and then mark them as abandoned if they don't respond. Now, if I mark that as abandoned, then at any point I can go back and know that these are the people that never responded to this initial campaign. So if I have a second campaign I want to drop them into, I can, as long as you're- But you also can off the note of, you can be like, hey, right, right. So this is where it gets into, if you're going to do this kind of business, it really helps to not try to run this off a spreadsheet. It just gets too complex and- it's not going to be as effective. All right. So that's Realtor Reach Out. That's a pretty cool campaign. So let's say, again, reach out to 300 realtors. If you run them for two weeks, what kind of expectation or what do you typically see for a number of people that actually can get on a phone call with a realtor? To be honest with you, I don't have data collected on that. Like based on what we've seen is almost like similar numbers to what we see with our Google ad campaign, where a little bit higher response rate, because usually we know we're using good numbers right off the bat. Somebody didn't put a fake number in there. So like 60, 70% response rate. And then depending on how aggressive the call to action is. Like, obviously the level of commitment that I'm asking for for a coffee meeting is higher than the level of commitment that I'm asking for for a 10 minute phone call. So depending on what that is, you know, I would expect that to range on a 10 minute phone call. You probably expect to see half of your responses agree to a 10 minute phone call. But if you are going for that coffee meeting, it's probably going to be more like 20% of those responses. Right, right. You're going to get lower. Okay, cool. So campaign one, instant lead follow-up. We talked about that. Campaign two, Realtor outreach. This has been super helpful, actually. Even if, you know, again, you guys do this for people or you help design the whole thing, but I've actually been learning a bunch of stuff. So tell me about the third campaign that you've found to be working well. Yeah. So the third campaign is like a strategy and kind of a commitment to like another layer of commitment to consumer direct as a business model is just going to real estate agents and basically offering as a value proposition to help reactivate their old leads. Almost every real estate agent either has an IDX site that they're actively sending like traffic through or did send traffic to at one point in a database full of leads that can be followed up with. So, you know, know what the lead source is. If these are internet leads, you're going to want the campaign to be a little bit different, maybe a little more aggressive than, you know, if an agent gives you their past client database, you're going to want to structure your campaigns very, very differently, obviously in that case. But yeah, just offering to help kind of manage that and revive some old leads, especially while things are slow right now. We've seen that as a really effective way for loan officers to open the door to a relationship. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And so give me some, an example of what that would look like reactivating old leads. So what would be the first thing you would do? Is it SMS? Is it text? Like walk me through what your plan would be. If I gave you, I said, Hey, I got a couple hundred old leads. What would you do with them? Yeah. So in an ideal world, like you would have something to announce or to offer to them with an initial email. So if you could do that, then kind of like I alluded to when we were talking about the realtor outreach, if you can do that, you can send a text that is just nudging them about the email that you left in their inbox. And then you could do the double text afterwards if they don't respond within six or seven minutes or whatever, double text. Oh, hey, I was just wondering, did you ever end up buying a home or, you know, something like that? Or, you know, are you still at this address? If we have the address of those information, like something that's just going to open the door for a relevant conversation. But that is your strategy, whether or not you have something good to offer in the email but it helps and is so bolstered by being able to say, hey, I just emailed you this report on the local market, or I just you know, emailed you this guide on buying your first home or repairing your credit. Can you check your email and make sure you got that for me or something like that? You know, that- oh, that's some ninja stuff right there. So basically you send them something of value to their email and then shoot them a text to say, hey, I just sent you, can you confirm you got it? And that could be, hey, I just sent you the monthly stats for sales in the market or something. 
could be whatever insert exactly and, if you have any then, newsletter you want to follow up with a text every single time that's do that right that i just emailed you a report on x let me know if you got it and then yes. that goes yeah i got it thanks man and then did you end up buying a place that kind of reminds me of uh, dean jackson's nine word email right are you still looking for a place in you know palm springs and exactly. people are like no yes like so that's another way to engage old leads so basically and you're using a combination of SMS and email for this, right? And then how many times, again, if I drop that list of 300 old leads, what would be the sequence that you would typically found works best for that type of thing? Yeah, I mean, the longer, the better if you don't have any other content going on. Like if you have a newsletter that you send out regularly or whatever, it's not as important for you to build out a four-month campaign. But if you have no other way of reaching out to that individual, then you probably want to extend that as long as reasonable. Talk to the agent about this. A lot of the times the agents will have a preference like, oh, let's run this for two weeks or, oh, let's run this for 30 days or three days or whatever. So before you make any decision like that, definitely talk to the agent. It's their database. But I, I would go as long as the agent would let me and I had content like ready for. Right, right. Okay, that's interesting. So three things we covered, instant lead follow-up. You broke down what you would do there. You talked about realtor outreach. So that's basically trying to get them to pick up the phone so that you can actually then build some relationship. And then the last is working the realtor's old leads. Do you ever do anything with working, I guess, mortgage brokers old leads? Or do you find that most mortgage brokers are doing a good job of that? No, no, like it's the same basic thing. I mean, revive it. Like if you have old leads to revive, you just run that same exact approach. You're just not, like, you're just not using it as a value add for agents. And, you know, for the listeners, like being able to pair up campaign number two and campaign number three, where you're automating your realtor outreach and then offering to do the same thing for their leads. That can be really effective, but no, like mortgage brokers, everybody's got a list. If you've been in this business long enough, you got a list. And so, yeah, we do definitely do stuff with reviving old lists. Right, right. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So what's the biggest mistake you see people make when it comes to this stuff? I would say like going for the home run in so many different contexts versus like going for base hits and to make that more specific, like looking for the silver bullet when it comes to lead generation, that one source that's going to change everything for you versus getting a source where you can generate leads consistently that you understand where they're coming from and what messaging they need to hear and then create the messaging that they need to hear to get them to, you know, and, and line up all these like base hits along the way, instead of thinking that there's going to be a lead source that solves all your business problem, where you're just going to pick up the phone, talk to them on the phone. They're going to say, yeah, I want to apply for a mortgage right now. I have a 700 FICO and I make, you know, $200,000 a year and I'd love a house over like, and I've never met you before, but Hey, this is crazy. And here's all my documents. You'd be like, exactly. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it comes back to choose an avatar. Like it's better to get super focused on who you're going to serve you know, one avatar, one funnel, one source, whether that's, you know, Google or whatever you're using, and then get really good at squeezing every bit of juice out of that funnel by constantly testing and tweaking your follow-up systems. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. This has been really good. This is helpful. I picked up a couple of little nuggets that I hadn't, because I, I happen to like marketing a lot. And even if you're doing a referral-based business, a lot of this stuff still applies. And so where can people find, if they're like, hey, man, this is cool. Where can I find out more about Michael and his company? Where would I send them? Yeah, empowerlo.com. So if you go there, you can get a 14-day free trial. If you let us know that you heard about us on the podcast, then we'll extend that trial for you for 30 days. So you got to let us know through the chat. But if you let us know through the chat, we'll extend your trial up to 30 days. You do got to put your credit card information in. Sorry, guys, we tried not doing that. And we got a bunch of people. like. Uh, but it's the kind of back to the credit score thing. It's a filter. So you guys don't want to waste time on like, you know, getting this stuff built out. So I get it, exactly. man. And if it's not your, you know, yeah, I yeah. totally agree. 
So um, if you're interested in the lead gen stuff, though, you can click at the top. It'll say mortgage lead generation and it says core in parentheses. So if you click on that, that'll take you to a landing page that is specifically about the lead generation. And you could book a live demo of that service if you'd prefer to jump straight to that instead of giving the software platform a free trial. Right. OK, awesome, man. Hey, Michael, this has been great. Thank you for opening up you know, the hood and showing us sort of how some of this stuff works. And hopefully you guys got some ideas and nuggets from this. I think it was a great conversation. Thanks, brother. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. All right, hopefully you got some ideas from those follow-up strategies, those campaigns that Michael runs. And you know, there's a little couple of little ninja moves in there that I think are really useful. So give them a try. Love to see how they work for you. In this upcoming segment, I'm gonna to talk to Tom Hall about investing in your business. Hey Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey Scott, great to be here. So what topic are we gonna to dive into today? Yeah, so I wanna talk a little bit about you know investing. People talk about, okay, now I have maybe a bit more time on my hand, I wanna invest, and maybe not so much in like the true crypto, uh, maybe that's where some people are going, but more so investing in your business, right? So now is kind of that time we've heard from a lot of people, I just don't have time to invest in my business right now. I've heard that you know for the past two years, but now people are really saying, okay, now I do have the time, how do I make sure I'm set up so the next time it does get busy, I'm better for it. So right. I want to talk about kind of how to think through that. Let's jump into it. So I totally agree with you. This is a great time to do some retooling, you know, because there's a bit more bandwidth that people have. And so don't waste it. Yeah. Uh, because before when you were so busy, you didn't have time to turn around. You're like, man, I wish I could fix these things. Well, go fix those things. Yeah. So that when Find it picks things. up again, which it yeah. will, this is a cycle. I, mean, I don't know what the timeline on the cycle is, but it is a cycle like always. And always and is. So yeah. You want to come out of this stronger and better. So. What would be Absolutely. your first sort of piece of advice when it comes to investing in your business? Yeah. So I think, you know, for a lot of people, normally, of course, they say, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I want to invest. I want to be better for it. And then they sometimes falter there. They say, okay, but how do I do that? What do I do? And what I tell people is, you know, don't even think about necessarily like the tool that you're going to use or don't think about that. Think about you, your day-to-day, -day, your business's day-to-day. And what are the, let's call it the top three most painful things, right? The mm -hmm. things that if you could, you could wave a magic wand and they would just go away and it would just improve the quality of your life, the quality of your business. You know, what are those painful things right now? And I think that's a really actually great place to start. And it might not be, you know, as you think about those things, you might say, well, I'll never be able to get rid of them fully. And that's okay. But it's about identifying those things, first of all, and saying, okay, can I get rid of them? Yes or no. And then if it's a no, okay, how can I at least make this experience a little bit better? What process or what tools can I use to at least address these things and make them maybe just a little bit less painful? Right, right. So what kind of things do you see when people say three most painful things? What is something that you've noticed come up? Do you have an example of that? Yeah, well, I think what it ultimately comes down to, I mean, for brokers, there's a million things kind of bringing it all together, you know, that they have to do at any given time. So, you know, what we hear a lot of people talking about, and maybe this is something that uh, people out there can relate to, but it's, you know, first of all, getting everything organized, right? You know, I have 100 tabs open for 100 different things. How do I get it all in one place? So I have a single dashboard, I can see everything that's going on, or how do I kind of bring it all together? So I'm not constantly checking, I know exactly what's going on. And nothing's mm -hmm. falling through the cracks, right? I was talking to a guy the other day. And he said, things don't usually fall through the cracks, but I don't know if they are or not. And it keeps right. me up at night, right? So right. having kind of that, it's not just the process, but it's also the peace of mind that comes with it. Right, right. That makes sense. I totally yeah. agree with you. And, you know, one of the things I see a lot of mortgage brokers, they skip this step and like, don't skip this step is they don't have their customer journey mapped out 
in mm. any format that's like what happens okay lead comes in what happens who does it what happens next what happens next that mm-hmm. exercise is a game changer personally i don't think it should be built you shouldn't be like my customer journey is my crm or my software because some of the stuff happens in the software some of it doesn't some of it happens on phone calls some of it happens in and so it's kind of like saying like the house versus the blueprint you still need a blueprint and the house could be the software the tool and you still yep. want a blueprint that stands alone so i think Still one of the best yep. things you can do to invest in your business is actually buy yourself with help, map out your customer journey and get it really dialed in so that you can then take advantage of any of the tools, kind of like what you guys have or other tools to make your business run more effectively. But yeah, for yeah. sure. It will be the second yeah. thing you'd say about advice when it comes to investing in your business. Yeah. And so kind of you know, going through that exercise and kind of identifying those things, whether it's getting everything in one place or just knowing what to do next through a customer journey, you've identified, okay, what's that painful thing for me right now? And then maybe you've identified one of these, maybe you've identified 10 of them, maybe three, whatever it might be. But the next step I always say is don't take it all at once. You know, From that exercise, you might get excited and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to tackle all these things and I'm just going to 10x my business. And you know, I hope that's the end result, of course, but take it in step-by-step approach, right? So if you have those 10 things that you identified as painful, just start with number one and focus on it, crush it, get it done, get it improved. That way, you know, you can stay focused. And also the great thing about it is that as soon as you solve that, that pain's been alleviated, that helps you with number two. And then mm-hmm. you get two done and then two helps with three to four to five. And then by the time you're at 10, you're saying, oh, I have just so much even more time. I can get through this that much quicker. So do it in step-by-step approach. So A, you kind of get that sense of accomplishment as you do these different things. And also it helps you. It's like a snowball effect almost as you go through these things. Right. You know, Mark Good, who's one of the most productive mortgage brokers in the country, he's based out of Aurelia, Ontario, small town. Mm. Uh, yep. 500 mortgages no, Aurelia. Yeah. And he does like, I don't know, 55% of the real estate transactions. He's practically the mayor. Like if there was a mayor and, <laughs> and then Mark Good, they're like, I don't know who the mayor is. I don't know who Mark Good is. And so yeah. he'll do 500 mortgages a year. And for a period, he owned a golf course and a McDonald's and a whole bunch of other no things. No kidding. Okay. And yeah, I yeah. said, so, dude, how did you learn this? And he said <laughs> one of the things he did is when he would go to a conference, there's a conference coming up soon, depending on when this comes out, is he would write down all of his best ideas that he got from the conference. And then he would get on the plane and he would order those best ideas in an order of one to 10. And then he would only choose to work on the first one on the top of the yeah. list. And then yep. when he got back, then when that got done, he'd go back and look at the list and realize, actually, you know what? Now, number three is the one I want to do. It's not necessarily linear, right? It's like no, yeah, the one thing right now that's going to move the needle the most and then go back and then reevaluate your list. Recently, I was listening to a podcast and he was talking about how the guy who started Airbnb, what he does is when he's got a whole bunch of problems, he lists them all out. And then he's like, okay, what one thing will solve two or three of these all at once? So how can right. I like sure. come up yeah. with a plan? Often the problems are related in some way. It's like sure. being disorganized. Yeah. If we, I mean, it's easy to talk about that because what you do for helping people get organized, but if you're disorganized, then you know some of this stuff will solve itself by fixing one big problem. And all of a sudden, two or three things are off that list all at once. And so I totally agree. I think that this idea of you know make the list, you know, in our brokers, we have what we call the issues list. And we're always looking at that going, what is the number one issue? And I got to say, as I got ADD, it's hard for me to stay focused on it. Sometimes I'm just like, Oh, sure. but this looks like yeah. more fun. The issue is like, oh, all right, I got to finish this one first mm. and force yourself, have the discipline to go back and finish the big yeah. issue first. And often it'll solve a bunch of other minor issues just by default. Yeah. And I think that's just like the human default, I think is, you know, the beginning of, you know, tackling an issue is the funnest part. It's like, you know, you feel good about it and you do that and then kind of getting it over the finish line can be the most painful. So I think what a lot of people do is they have those 10 ideas and they do 
half of each of them. But they go mm-hmm. back, a year goes by, they go back to that conference and they realize, well, by doing half of everything, I've actually made zero difference, right, for mm-hmm. in terms of investing in my business. So even if you can just do one or two things on the list, but you see it all the way through, you're going to be ahead of, you know, a lot of the, the other folks that maybe had the same list as you. And maybe if you're really lucky, you'll be the mayor of your town. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. Not. Okay, so yeah. what's the last? That's number 10 on the list. Yeah, being a mayor. Yeah, yeah. Be, <laughs> be the mayor. Or be like yeah. so well-known that you are like the mayor. Okay, so yeah. invest in your there business. You go. Yeah. Don't try to do 10 things at once, but create that list and, mm-hmm. and prioritize the list. What will yep. be the last sort of piece of advice you have? Yeah. And then lastly, what I'd say is, you know, as you have this time and as you're kind of building new processes or maybe trying out new software or tools or this or that, you know, as your business stands today, you know, these could be the right things, but also always have in mind that it's important to be flexible too. I always kind of say that. And I think that relates to, you know, the tools you do, the processes you do, because, you know, your business might change or your needs might change, or you might change a little bit in terms of how you like to work Mm -hmm. or, just something in the market might change. So as you're doing these things, you know, I think especially in this mortgage business, things seem to move really quickly. And so, yes, you know, find these opportunities to improve, but also, you know, don't lock yourself in, don't pigeonhole yourself, allow yourself to be flexible as you're making these improvements. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Do you see any area where people are being really stubborn and stuck on something? I'm curious. Like what, in terms of... Know? Yeah, just in terms of like their mortgage business, like Is there a certain area that you feel like people tend to get stuck? Yeah, I guess that's a good question. You know, I think people are creatures of habit. So nothing specifically, but, you know, something that I think about as I think about these types of things and something that Elon Musk said, but to make a change and for it to be, you know, something that you really get excited about and a no-brainer, it has to be just way, way better, like almost two times or three times better than what you're currently doing. So if you're just waiting around for these two or three times improvements to come around, you know, maybe they won't come around. And that's, I think, where a lot of people get stuck, you know, on first glance, they say, is this really going to move the needle? Maybe a little bit. And they don't get excited because it's not going to do that two, three times thing for them. But, you know, I think where the wins really happen and kind of the whole point of this kind of segment here is, you know, it more so happens in 10% wins, you know, 10 times right? If you do that, then you get to a point where, okay, yeah, it didn't feel like any of those things were necessarily that exciting, but now I look back and I've hit that two times or that three times. And so, you know, I'd say people kind of get stuck in their own nature and their own kind of habits and, you know, don't wait for the golden ticket to come along, kind of do those little iterations along the way. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think, and Elon certainly doesn't lack for, um, you know, big vision. We're going to all colonize well, Mars, too. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and have satellites, yeah, yeah. have internet access, high-speed internet over the entire planet. Like, Yeah, I his solution like is, yeah, don't go for the 10% improvement or the two times improvement, go for the 10 times improvement. But yeah, unless yeah, you're I'm Elon not. Musk, you know, yeah. <laughs> I see the 10% work pretty well. Yeah. 10% works pretty good. Yeah, you got to make, yeah. make it exciting. Like, it's got to be... Yeah. A challenge. And I think it's good to have big vision, but then act small, like execute on small wins mm-hmm. instead of like, because it's overwhelming, you know, like you got to have a big vision of whatever that looks like. And oh, then, okay, what is the small yeah. little, you know, micro step that you can take? So that's awesome. Okay. So when we wrap up this episode, what's your sort of final takeaway on this whole topic? Yeah. So just to kind of summarize all that we've talked about is just basically, hey, now's the time to invest. You can maybe put in crypto, but more so in your business. And with that, that looks like, you know, basically identifying those pain points. What are things that are really painful? And you think that if you change this, this would make things better. Start there. Once you do have that list, 
take it step by step by step by step while keeping yourself flexible. And if you know you get discouraged by thinking, hey, this isn't going to two times or three times change anything, remember that, hey, really kind of the wins and how over the course of a year you really kind of reap the benefits of the investment is by doing these small little things many, many times. Multiplication of wins. Yeah, totally. And yeah. so if you guys are exponential, this, right? Yeah. Exponential. <clears throat> Check out Tom's company, Blue Mortgage, blue with no E, mortgage.ca. Yeah, no E. Uh, yeah. We, we use it. <laughs> the E is at the end of blue. There's a still an E in mortgage. So BLU. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. BLU mortgage.ca. And we use it in our company to manage all of our pipeline. And it's fantastic very easy and it allows you to, you know, invest in your business. I think it's a smart thing to do. So Tom, thanks for chatting with me, brother. And I'm excited to see what you guys continue to do in your business. Yeah, I appreciate being here, Scott. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode and my conversation with Michael and Tom. I hope you got a couple ideas to apply to your mortgage business. A couple quick things. First, if you're listening to this and you want some ideas to grow your business, go check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com. We have a power search tool that lets you search all the past podcast episodes. And the key thing though, if you're using it, I'm telling you right now, go to full screen mode. If you're not in full screen mode, you're not going to see all of the search results. Pro tip for anybody listening, make sure you're clicking on full screen, but the tool is robust, provided it's full screen. Check it out. And uh, thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.